Circus tonight. Position battles across the NFC North, especially the backfield of the Detroit Lions, David Montgomery versus Jameer Gibbs. We also have the Chicago Bears backfield. It is a four-way competition for snaps, for reps, for opportunities. And we've got Alexander Madison versus the field. We've got Aaron Jones versus A.J. Dillon. We've got the wide receiver, too, for the Detroit Lions. So many position battles to cover. We're going to be doing it all on Player Profiler today. course we start with the quarterbacks but this one's pretty easily we have all four starting quarterbacks in the nfc north fully entrenched jordan love is the starter kirk cousins is the starter jared goff is the starter and justin fields is the starter but behind them there is a little bit of a competition hendon hooker versus nate sudfeld now the plan is for hendon hooker to redshirt this year the lions would like to see enough from nate sudfeld that they don't feel pressured to make hendon hooker the backup but we'll see how training camp plays out we'll see how the preseason plays out i don't think we're gonna see ending any hendon hooker but there's, there's an outside chance there's a small chance more importantly though is the minnesota vikings nick mullins versus jaron hall now, some people believe that Jaron Hall could be the quarterback of the future of the Minnesota Vikings, or at the very least, Jaron Hall is the new Kellen Mond. Remember, Kellen Mond was drafted to be that developmental player. Maybe he can become a Sam Howell type down the road. Probably not, but Jaron Hall competing to become the backup. We all expect Kirk Cousins to move on from the Minnesota Vikings next year, though that is not certain. Behind Justin Fields, we have P.J. Walker versus Nathan Peterman versus Tyson Bagent. P.J. Walker is the backup. They signed him to be the backup, but Tyson Bagent is competing for a roster spot. Tyson Bagent, one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of college football. He just happened to play for a smaller school, but Tyson Bagent, absolutely prolific. I think he's going to make the roster. I think he's going to be QB3. I think that the Bears will see his talent. And at some point, Tyson Bajan, not maybe probably, probably not for the Bears because Justin Fields is so awesome. But at some point, Tyson Bajan is going to make a couple starts for some team out there, have a Gardner Minshew type following. And in the final position battle at quarterback, no one cares. It's the Green Bay Packers. Danny Etling versus Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford should not have been drafted. Sean Clifford was a terrible pick by the Green Bay Packers. Danny Etling is the quintessential QB3. So I will not be surprised at all if the Green Bay Packers add a Teddy Bridgewater. Probably not Carson Wentz because that's a little bit more competition, even though it wouldn't be for competition. They're going to add a real backup, I believe, in Green Bay. Keep Sean Clifford as the QB3 because if... Sean Clifford is QB2, and he plays it all. The Packers are going full on tank. And if you want to avoid tanking in your fantasy football drafts, you absolutely need the draft kit. Podfather, take it away. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see... 
in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, <laughs> it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draftkit. Playerprofiler.com slash draftkit. Go get it. And in the player profiler draft kit, you can research yourself the position battle between David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. What everyone has been waiting for. David Montgomery is the between the tackles grinder, but he has some pass catching ability as well. He's shown that with the Chicago Bears over the past couple of seasons. David Montgomery is a true bell cow when needed to be the Lions don't need or want him to be a bell cow. Lions are hoping for probably a 50-50 split, maybe a 55-45 split that favors David Montgomery, maybe a 60-40 split in favor of David Montgomery, but targets are more valuable at the running back position than carries. Even in non-PPR, it's still more valuable to receive a target because of the value of a reception. So with David Montgomery versus Jameer Gibbs, I do believe David Montgomery is going to handle more touches, but Jameer Gibbs will have more receptions and that will be more high value touches. The biggest competition will be at the goal line. Is this going to be a hundred percent David Montgomery? Because we saw last year, even with the dominance of Jamal Williams, the record setting 17 touchdowns on the ground for the Detroit Lions, breaking Barry Sanders record. Even with that, we still saw DeAndre Swift used in the red zone when healthy, and he was quite dynamic. So if Jameer Gibbs can become what the Lions wanted DeAndre Swift to be, then maybe he flirts with 50% of the touches, and maybe, just maybe, Jameer Gibbs ends up as an RB1 in year one. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's growing on me. David Montgomery missing minicamp and OTAs, getting a lot of work for Jameer Gibbs with this first-team offense. That helped, and I'm just going to be keeping an eye on what's to come if David Montgomery practices to start training camp. If David Montgomery doesn't start practice to start training camp, who Jameer Gibbs, the steam is going to continue to rise. And we've seen in the past that the Lions have used all three running backs. Now, this was a feature of Deuce Staley, who is now in Carolina. We'll see if it's different now, but either way, the Lions need an RB3 and right now, the competition is between Jamar Jefferson and Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds was the RB3 to start last year. Then he got injured and Justin Jackson took the job. The Lions wanted to get Jamar, get Jamar Jefferson 
on the active roster. Dan Campbell said he really deserved to dress for games and to get some carries, but just the way NFL rosters work, having th- four active running backs, it's less than ideal. But Jamar Jefferson, one of Cody Carpentier's original guys, he's starting to get some steam. Aaron Jones versus A.J. Dillon. This is pretty much a mirror of Jameer Gibbs versus David Montgomery, except Aaron Jones is going to get more work than A.J. Dillon. We know that. But A.J. Dillon, come December, when it's cold, we know every year A.J. Dillon starts off so slow, and then he goes on a little bit of a run in November and December. But Aaron Jones is the guy that we want. He'll be seeing most of the touches for at least this year and actually Probably next year. A.J. Dillon probably walks in free agency next year, and Aaron Jones is still there. The cap hit to cut him is way too high. So this is Aaron Jones' backfield, even though it's a committee. In Minnesota, we have Alexander Madison versus the field. And Alexander Madison, when Dalvin Cook has been out, he has been a full bell cow. Averages over 20 touches per game. Averages over 20 PPR points per game. Alexander Madison, RB1, every time he has started for Dalvin Cook. But those are all spot starts. And Alexander Madison hasn't been good enough to get on the field with Dalvin Cook. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, obviously it's Dalvin Cook, but Ezekiel Elliott was Ezekiel Elliott for a long time. And even when Zeke was not washed, Tony Pollard was forcing his way onto the field because he's that talented. Even when Melvin Gordon was not washed, Melvin Gordon was still talented for the Los Angeles Chargers. Austin Eckler was forcing his way onto the field. These talents are too undeniable. And that never happened with Alexander Madison, ever. So I think probably 50% Alexander Madison. Definitely over 40%, probably 50% Alexander Madison. And then maybe 25% Trey McBride. 25% Ty Chandler. Where does Kenway and Wong Wu fall on that? I don't know. But I do know this is not going to be Alexander Madison's full-on backfield. He'll be the lead back. It's just not going to be as clear-cut as we might hope. And for the backfield for the Chicago Bears, there is no clear-cut answer. Khalil Herbert is far and away the best runner of the football. He is uber-efficient on the ground. He is great at breaking tackles. He's breaking off long runs. Khalil Herbert, fantastic runner of the football. The problem with Khalil Herbert is he is a zero in the passing game and an outright negative as a pass blocker. And that's something that the Chicago Bears have stressed this offseason, that the number one job of the running back is to protect the quarterback. Number two is run the football. If number one is protecting the quarterback, that is a bad sign for Roshan, or (laughs) that's a great sign for Roshan Johnson. It is a bad sign for Khalil Herbert. It is a bad sign for Dante Foreman. He has not been a pass blocker in his career. The few times he's been asked to do it, he has not been particularly good. And Travis Homer, Travis Homer is by default the third down back right now because he is the best pass protector of the veterans. But I will not be surprised in the slightest if Roshan Johnson ends up being the best pass protecting back for the, the Chicago Bears from day one because he was dominant in college. The fact that Roshan Johnson was able to force his way onto the field as often as he did, even with Bijan Robinson, because of his work as a receiver, because of his work as a pass blocker, that is going to matter for the Chicago Bears. And by October, by mid-October, Halloween at the latest, Roshan Johnson is going to be RB1, seeing 50% plus of the opportunity. And then it'll be a mix behind him. 
when they're winning. We're going to see more Khalil Herbert when they're losing. We're going to see more Travis Homer. I think people are going to be surprised at how little we see Dante Foreman. He might end up being RB4 and might end up being inactive on game days because Khalil Herbert is a better runner. Roshan Johnson, better pass blocker. Travis Homer, better third down back. Play special teams. Dante Foreman doesn't do any of that. Moving on to the wide receiver position. The Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings are pretty much locked in. Unless you count Jordan Addison versus KJ Osborne, which I don't. That's Jordan Addison's job as the wide receiver too. Or if you count Brandon Powell versus Jalen Naylor versus Jalen Rager to be the wide receiver three or four or five on the team, which I don't, I don't care. None of these players have fantasy value, even if there is an injury. Because TJ Hawkinson's just going to see a spike in targets. Justin Jefferson's going to see a spike in targets. Whoever gets hurt, it's going to go to the stars. It's not going to go to Brandon Powell or Jalen Naylor. And definitely not Jalen Rager. And then for the Chicago Bears, I mean, if you want to talk about the competition between Valus Jones and Dante Pettis to make the roster behind Equinemia St. Brown, Tyler Scott, and then the big three of Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, and DJ Moore. But that whole competition is set. We do want to highlight Chase Claypool for a second, though, because people were kind of freaking out. Oh, the Bears aren't happy with, with Chase Claypool. They don't think he's working hard enough. They're questioning his work ethic. Oh, look, Chase Claypool. He's modeling in Europe. Look. He, he's on the runway, strutting his stuff. He's modeling. He's not taking football seriously. And then we see pictures come out of Chase Claypool at a football camp in the UK teaching kids in Europe to play football. And that got way less coverage than Chase Claypool modeling. I get it. Chase Claypool is immature. Chase Claypool is... Hard to like at times because of his antics on the football field. But, I mean, come on. At least highlight the good stuff the guy's doing instead of just, oh, he's in Europe because he doesn't care. No, he's in Europe because he cares and he's just having some fun while on his business trip. Chase Claypool was overrated. And I think we're starting to get to the point where now he is receiving too much hate. Just my two cents. No, it's not just because he's Canadian. Anyways, moving on to the actual position battles in at wide receiver in the NFC North. Starting with the Packers, Jaden Reed versus Romeo Dobbs versus Samare Toure. This is pretty much established. Romeo Dobbs is right now the wide receiver two behind Christian Watson. Jaden Reed is the slot receiver for the Green Bay Packers. However, I am a believer that Jaden Reed is more talented than Romeo Dobbs. Everyone at player profiler is pretty much against Romeo Dobbs. Pretty much everyone believes Jaden Reed is a better talent. He is already receiving reps with the first team offense, even in just two wide receiver sets. And so much like Roshan Johnson, by Halloween, Jaden Reed is going to be the wide receiver two for the Green Bay Packers. Romeo Dobbs will stay the wide receiver three. Samari Toure is not a threat, even though some on Twitter want him to be. But this is Christian Watson. Then it's Jaden Reed versus Romeo Dobbs, Samari Torre, the wide receiver four. Unless somehow they land here. Imagine the Packers landed DeAndre Hopkins and just completely shook this up. But I think this is a pretty clear-cut competition. Romeo Dobbs, veteran deference, is going to start as the wide receiver two. Then he'll move to the three behind Jaden Reed. But Luke Musgrave is the one that's going to benefit greatly. We'll get to that in a moment. For the Lions, though, the Lions have a problem. Jameson Williams, I don't know if you heard, Jameson Williams is suspended to start the season. He's going to miss at least six games. <coughs> and 
while Jamison Williams is away. Someone's got to play opposite Amon Ross St. Brown or outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, depending on the formation, because he plays in the slot so much. We know that Josh Reynolds is going to be a fixture even when Jameson Williams is there. He's going to be in the wide receiver three competition. And that's ideally what this competition would be. It would be Josh Reynolds versus Marvin Jones versus Khalif Raymond versus Antoine Green for specific roles as that wide receiver three. Because Jameson Williams, he was going to be posted up on the outside as the speedster. We know Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be posted up in the slot. So it's just that other outside wide receiver. And ideally, it would have been a rotation based on need. You need a solid play. Maybe you go deep. Maybe you go intermediate. You go Josh Reynolds. It's third down. Well, obviously, you go Marvin Jones because Marvin Jones is the reliable guy there. In the red zone, you probably go Marvin Jones too. But then when you want to stretch the field even more, open stuff up for Amon Ross St. Brown un- underneath, you put Khalif Raymond opposite Jamison Williams. They both stretch the field absolutely beautiful. And Antoine Green, rookie seventh round pick this year, he's hoping to grow into that role for four speed. He's hoping to be the become a deep threat, a big body deep threat. But now that Jamison Williams is suspended, This is a competition for two positions. Both outside receiver positions are up for grabs. I think Josh Reynolds probably going to be the wide receiver two and a rotation of Marvin Jones and Khalif Raymond at the three, but it might just end up being a full on rotation at wide receiver two and three, just based on the package. We might see more Brock Wright alongside Sam Laporta at tight end. I don't know what this Lions offense is going to look like early in the year. I know it's going to put up points. I just don't know who's going to be on the receiving end. And looking at tight end, we mentioned Brock Wright versus Sam Laporta. Right now, Brock Wright is the starting tight end for the Detroit Lions. That is veteran deference. Brock Wright has been one of the worst starters at tight end in the NFL. And this is no slight on him. He He doesn't have the pedigree, doesn't have the athleticism. He's a solid blocker. He's a solid tight end, too. But this is why the Lions ended up drafting Sam Laporta. He's a tight end one, what he can do as a receiver after the catch, all of that. That's why they drafted him. Laporta, probably the day one starter. I think he'll be starting by September when the Lions end up facing Kansas City. But he's not starting yet. The only rookie tight end that is starting, and I've highlighted this plenty, is Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave has already won the starting tight end job. Tucker Craft working as the tight end two, three alongside Josiah DeGuara, but this is Luke Musgrave's job. He's won it. And it's TJ Hawkinson's job. Obviously there's no sense in talking about the Minnesota Vikings ad nauseum. It's his job, but at tight end for the Chicago bears, Cole Komet is the tight end one, but how much Robert Tunyon do we see? Does he take a bite out of Cole Komet and his workload? Do we see more Robert Tunyon scoring touchdowns instead of Cole Komet? see more in the red zone or is this insurance for chase claypool because again the bears haven't been thrilled with chase claypool even though they did send him to europe to teach football camps they haven't been thrilled with his work so far this offseason he's been injured he's been banged up so you get robert tunyon another big body tight end or slot receiver or whatever you want to call chase claypool at this point I don't know. You can still do the same things on offense with Robert Tunyon in for Chase Claypool. Obviously, Claypool stretches the field more, but you've got Darnell Mooney for that. 
Chase Claypool is a slot receiver now. He is a essentially a move tight end. He's a great blocker, which is why he is in the slot as well, because that helps with your outside run game. I'm just saying, Robert Tunyon almost feels like insurance for Chase Claypool if things don't work out. But this is Cole Komet's job at tight end. Most of these NFC North position battles are pretty cut and dry, but I'm going to be excited to see how everything shakes out for the Detroit Lions, especially they are going to be one to watch.